so recording. Yep. Good. Jazzy B. Second Can time leave. lucky. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> We're like that though, aren't we? We're lucky yeah. like that. We're lucky. How are you doing today? Scraping through, scraping through, Monday, <laughs> scraping through. But it is the afternoon. I've seen most of the day through, so so far so good. That's actually a good way to look at it. it most of the day is gone, so it's only going to get better, right? Clearly, this is it. This is how you have to be, and I, that's why you have to take a siesta so that when you wake up, it's like another day, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, if you'd had my day today, there was no time for a siesta, but it's. Uh, how are you doing in this lockdown, this COVID, this weird time that we're living in? How do you cope with it? Well, to be honest with you, I have been using a bit of common sense. Because, yeah. you know, if you're following the rules and one minute, it's like simple Simon says this, then he says that, then he goes about that. And I do understand this, you know, these are interesting times for all of us. But um, I have taken it upon myself to use a bit of common sense. And that's everything from the postman or people delivering stuff to people mm. coming in and out to just the whole idea of you getting on with it. So I'm sort of over the honeymoon part of it all. Yeah. And I also believe, strangely enough, living in Camden where things are pretty reasonably transparent, and you see the day going by in terms of the betting shops closed, but Lidl and things like that are open. So mm. you're going to get this contrast between the slightly underbelly of London with um, idle hands. But the other thing, Kelly, I'm kind of reasonably steady is because we are in um, the midst of summer. So, yeah. out, you know, outside of, um, you know, being on the road, which technically I would have been just coming back from Australia now on the tour. Um, yeah, it's like taking each day as it comes and then trying to be positive to the massives and then looking at myself in the mirror every morning, just trying to be better than I was yesterday kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's such a good... I mean, I feel the same way, but it's like, I suppose it's... I, I'm, I've been really positive throughout the whole thing, but I have days when I just sort of feel like, oh, hang on a minute, this is like yeah. Groundhog Day. And then I yeah. almost have to reset my brain to go, okay, no, you know, you're out there, you're mentoring people, you've got a business, you've got people that look up to you. And it's quite stressful sometimes in that respect. No, and I think is. in times yeah. like this, you can actually find a silver lining because it's almost like a reboot. It's like a reality check. It's like you look at what thing, things you've done that you've taken for granted or things yeah. that you've spent money on that you didn't need to or yeah. how do you kind of rework your life with your family, the people around you to kind of say, okay, this is a reboot. This is a reshift. And it's time you know, to stop going on about the old normal, but this is the new normal for now. And how do I make it work for me, my family, the people that matter to me? Um, and that, in a way, kind of brings me on to, you know, in terms of what you do, you're all about music, you're about entertainment, you're about feeling that energy from people in a, you know, music hall or in a festival. Like, how, how do you see going forward that you can kind of, change the way that you work in the new world that we're going to be in? I mean, have you kind of thought about it? 
Not in any real detail, but I am one of those people who do sort of think about the next few years and what's going to happen and decisions I make today and stuff. And that's only happened maybe over the last 15 years as I've got older. Um, the scenario that we're currently in, maybe I'm in denial, Kelly, because I'm out there gassing everybody else up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Much yeah. like yourself, I do have moments where I do sit down if I'm meditating or something, and, and maybe when I'm slipping into medica- you know, meditating, I think about really awful things, and then you know, I try to you balance myself back. out. Yeah. yeah, and once I get the rhythm of my, you know, I can hear myself breathing there, and then I, I do calm down. But I only get alarmed when I go into that area because. I'm trying to replenish something in my own soul. Yeah, yeah, so I've, yeah. I've given out so much and then I'm replenishing in my own soul. And I guess for that little window, that little, uh, that, that little moment, I think about all these things, but then when I'm able to, to get the rhythm and the syncopation, and ride the wave heart, again. You know, yeah. And then I, 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 I could actually, uh, for want of a better word, like pistons moving up and down, that space between the pistons, I can now see light. And in yeah. the light that I'm seeing, it is like, um, you know, change is very stressful and difficult anyway. So somehow I'm able to put like uh, reasonable things into perspective. But yeah. as soon as I come out of that rhythm, yeah, it's yeah, that yeah. mayhem and chaos. And what I have been doing, and I've noticed, and I think you've just said something that touched the nerve, is when you're putting the energy out to other people, you've got no time to think about yourself. And yeah. if anything, this enforced holiday stroke, World War Three or Four, has um, allowed that, um, to fester a little bit in, in, in my mind's eye in terms of what, what other things going on and then I have been able to take a tiny step back and you know like put things into perspective but as soon as I get out as soon as that, yeah. that thing changes Kelly it is I just try to go back into the deep breathing and it, it used to be 11 but when I started to count to 18 I had to take that <laughs> I had to take up deep breaths. So, again, like, don't look out for me permanently like I'm the one and I've solved it. No, this is a work in progress because (laughs) even along the line and and the different things we share socially now, has almost got me thinking. And, 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 And in most cases, it's positive. And positive from the point, I think, respecting and appreciating what is around you you know mm-hmm. um that, that i mean i i call lot. it i always call it like um riding the wave when you're yeah. when you're riding that wave it feels so bloody good yeah. and i always say to people that when i'm mentoring them it's okay to fall off because you know what it's like to be on it so yes. you want to get back on and it's just that that motion of trying to work really hard to just keep at that pace. But what happens is things come flying at you. It could be the smallest thing. Someone else is hurt. Someone else is feeling bad. Where am I going to get the money from? How am I going to juggle this and all of that? And we all have those moments. For me, strangely enough, the thing that's pulled me through this from day one is music. Because I design to music. I am my most creative to music. It's always been my life. It's always been the thing that takes me out of a bad place in my head 
worrying, right. feeling negative. If I put the right beat on, and in fact, the other day I was in the design studio and I turned around to someone, I said, no, 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 we've got to change the music. I can't design to this. And they said, right. why? And I said, because it's not my beat. It doesn't right. resonate with me. And so I was sort of thinking about, you know, like with you, you're all about music. You're all about energy. You know, we just work in different planes, but it's, it's, it's a kind of similar thing where you find something that gets you out of that, um, that doldrum. And I said that to people on my posts, find a music, a sound, a tone, something that, that resonates with you because you know, it can get you into a fantasy land. It can get you visualizing. It can get you, I find myself coming up with really great ideas and different avenues and coming in left field. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, absolutely. It's, it's such a, a great feeling. And uh, it's like exercise. You know, I train with, with, with F words, you, you know, right. like I love it. And that for me is a moment where I can switch off I'm in that moment, we laugh, we talk, we put the world to rights, you feel good about your body. You know, that's sort of my meditation, because like you, I'm counting to a thousand before I get to the, <laughs> the breathing bit. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's, uh, but I tell you what I find fascinating about you, like your life has just been so extraordinary, but the one thing that's always hit me about you, I've always loved your music, there's, you know, you know that, but it's the way you came up with a kind of brand identity that became so recognizable um, uh, that you created a brand with your music. And at, at that time, I was trying to look back in time to see who else had managed to do that. Like people knew your logo, your t-shirts, your, it was like you had an identity as well as a sound. Did you, do that intentionally or did it kind of just happen creatively well i guess the whole thing you know like with with the sound systems it, it's much about in our communities it, it was a, a a form of our identity um so when i embarked on actually you know having my own sound system post 1977 the queen silver jubilee um i knew that's all I ever wanted to do and what I experienced there at the Jubilee the, the the party was all the different people who lived in my neighborhood and the fact that the common denominator was the the, the music and I was mm. playing everything from you know Shawadi Wadi to Ziggy Stardust to Augustus Pablo Dennis Brown and Curtis Mayfield and James Brown and stuff and what was interesting was um I guess it was almost like this mashup of noise, technically. Um, but yeah, it, it felt like it had a direction and a purpose. But most importantly, it, it, it cured us. And it cured us in a way that everybody at some point was just in the music and enjoying and, and what I like to say, expressing themselves. So as I grew up, um, the sound system thing in my community was almost like a part-time thing you know can't wait for the weekend to begin sort of thing blah blah but um i had a different a different feeling about it oh i i, I loved it i i lived it um even you know having memories of me in the old days in our front room we had a gram what was called like a blue spot gram it was this this 
gramophone piece of furniture with the you know the hi-fi in it the radio and that and in those days it was valves so i i used to love the smell that emitted from the valves and maybe the dust and everything and then as a little yeah. kid listening to the radio and, and this this box would be on all the time i actually thought people were in there a bit like um i don't know maybe, no maybe like how, how radio was and when you listen to any of those sort of shows where you know everybody's um living a life sort of thing like if it's emmerdale farm or what's that classic one on bb the archers East, oh archers yeah yeah so 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 think archers yeah and i'm a little kid thinking there's people in there because everything's going on in this thing and it's emitting this noise and, and you, you can, you almost like, you close your eyes and you can fantasise it. Yeah. So post all that is where I knew as a kid, even leaving school, that that's what I wanted to do. And I merged myself in the business and, and started off as a tea boy, which I was able to get a, a much better view of the business and the industry. Now, the idea of me and the identity and so on, one of the most <coughs> interesting things I've found in hindsight is that it could have only happened here in London, because mm. London being the shopping window for the rest of the world. And the fact that what we were doing was that eclectic and on the border of, I don't know, um, what would we call it now, trendy. I, I was so left the field of everything. I mean, I was a huge fan of, um, you know, everything that was um, odd. Um, the fashion side made a lot, uh, meant a lot to me. You know, I, I was following people like you, Ray Petries of this world, yeah. Catherine Hamlet, John Moore, uh, um, and Joe Casey Hayford was huge on my books in those times, uh, as well as obviously Christopher Nemeth and stuff. And what was interesting about that, that style and stuff, again, it was something that I had access to. Yeah. And it was something that you pushed the boundaries on in terms of... Um, how we wanted to look and present ourselves. I think from there, where people start to identify us as what I'd like to believe was the funky dreads, uh, or those, those weird guys look like punk rockers, but they're black. Um, that kind of thing, it led to that identity. And then it was like, if I was going to stick out like a sore thumb, because, you know, growing up in the 70s, um, everything that we were about was, was um, stamped on. So as a black kid growing up in those days, there wasn't a lot to look forward to. Although weirdly enough, I used to like West Ham uh, football team. And that was because they had a guy there called Clyde Best. Mm. Um, and, and things like that went on in, in our lives. So we always seek it for an identity as a young person. And then with our image, other people were so taken by that, again, in London, they'd copy it. So that's almost how it came about with Derek Yates creating the, 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 the visual of the funky dread and then our ideology, which was loosely based on the, the party when I was a kid, 1977 Jubilee, where everybody was there. Although mm. I've also realised, um, Kelly, very importantly, we were living through a class period at that time. Right. So right. not only were you black, but you were working class. So, you know, there was a little lid on mm. it almost where um, those things were very important. And that's when we came up with the ideology of a happy face, a thumping base for a loving race, because all of those strands equaled exactly what we were doing 
as yeah. pleasure givers from the planet Ard, spelled A-R-D, coming down, fighting against Rapatakas Backers, who at that time could have even been Margaret Thatcher, giving me the help in the hand as a working class black <laughs> youth, who she's saying, you know, use your entrepreneurial skills. So that's what we did. We came down to earth and, and brought pleasure to, to many people. Now, it was never really about us being this brand or taking over the world or anything. It truly was about us giving pleasure. And there's always been this fine line about when you when I've gone out with the quote unquote brand because we didn't know what a brand was and stuff like that. But the idea of I've got to be careful here because people say selling out, but my thing was more like no one understood what I was doing. So I wasn't ready to give it away or, or say, mm. here, take, you know, let's go your way or blah blah. So I guess that's the way I've been like um, you know, hoarding or hogging the idea or, or controlling the idea of what soul to soul and a funky dress philosophy is. And I think as years have gone by, um, I, I almost realised that the, 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 the train that we're on is endless. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you go on the northern line or, or the central line, it stops. So I like to see myself as... Um, Almost like the gardener, my work is never done. I deal with all the elements outside. I'm mm -hmm. not like a builder who will turn the key and hand you it and his job is done. I'm out there dealing with the elements. And funnily enough, it suits me. And, and the idea of, of the pulling from, you know, or waiting for things to harvest, planting the seed and nurturing it, and even giving away the plant, you know, so somebody else um, brings a different life and adapts to it and that. And all around me is green, as you know, or the sea. So mm. all of those things are part. And, and to be fair with you, Kelly, there's a simplicity to that. Like my evergreens on the front looking over Half Moon Bay. They're always green. But mm. every so often they produce this awesome cherry. Yeah. Mm. And it, it just kind of comes around. So. I love that because those things were planted from seeds and it was in a place where everybody in the island said, oh, Mr. Romeo, they'll never grow there because of the sea air and you don't have the right um, like soil or all these yeah. minerals and stuff. And Kelly, as you know, it grew all around that beautiful mm. wall. So all of those things were really simple things, but I learned that they were the most difficult because patience... It, it, it's so important that you're patient and you allow things maybe to have their cycle. And we're living in a digital world now. I don't know, we're not that patient, are we now? It's all in me. If you don't text me back within two seconds of you pressing send, I'm worried. What's happened to Kelly? What's wrong with her fingers? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And it's a bit like, oh, you got the wrong attitude because you're not answering straight away. So sometimes maybe we're doing things and we're not thinking about it. Like, we're giving that 24 hours. We're not counting to 11 anymore and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah, I'm down with a bit of yam yohoira and gekyoi and then bun a spliff, you know what I mean, Kelly? <laughs> but you know something, listening to you, you are a true entrepreneur because you talk about all of this and I get it 100%. It's about growth. It's about organic. You weren't yeah. thinking about it and it was pure and everything your motto stood for stands for today. But the way you talk, you grew up as an entrepreneur, whether you like it or not, wherever you got it from, right. you're a true entrepreneur because 
great entrepreneurs are people that come up with ideas and then if an idea doesn't work, they move on to the next, right? But they're constantly moving with ideas. And, you know, the thing is, it's like, you know, people talk about in business, you know, what's the tipping point? You know, wh when was that moment? So you had all of that. You created this incredible sound, this brand, whether you knew you'd done it or not. And that's why I take my hat off to you because you did create a brand. Whether you knew it or you like it, you created a brand and it's still your brand. And the fact that you just said to me you wanted to control it, but at the same time you'd give the green plant to someone else to grow that because you want youth, you want new ideas. That's, that's an entrepreneur. But like, you know, in 1988, when Virgin came along, that must have been like, you know, a tipping point for you, something extraordinary that was, um, you know, what did it feel like at that point? Oh, no, you're frozen. I was interested at that point. There was only two companies I was interested in. In, that was Virgin because they had a frontline catalogue which they sold for 99 pence and it was reggae music and stuff and then yeah. the other one was of course Island Records because of um, Chris um, Blackwell what he'd achieved Chris Blackwell yeah and what he'd achieved and obviously everyone from uh, our own boys being Aswad was on that label and stuff but like I said to you, my trick really was, Kelly, was the fact that, um, you know, I worked for Tommy for, for years as a, as a tea boy. So mm -hmm. I was behind the scenes. So I got to see how a lot of things evolved and um, what worked and what kind of didn't work in terms of an identity. Plus, as you can appreciate, timing is everything. Growing up in the 70s, we were exposed to so many amazing um, things uh, in the arts. And mm. then along comes um, sort of the 80s, and, and I think like the Falkland War was probably coming across at that time. And then we were introduced to all that technology, I guess, that they were using then. And um, that was a great um, stage platform, ladder, whatever you want to call it, in terms of being able to interpret ideas not just visually but musically um and then everything it's an awful word i really don't like using i've got to find another one but it all ended up being a bit more organic and in and, and in that again the timing was pretty incredible because um like i think everybody was just about um not to say had enough but there was this new energy uh, and again I, i'm down south in london we're in central london um we just come out of the whole stampede of um, acid house and raves and stuff like that and it was at the height of that that i stopped doing the parties and i knew at some point that there had to be a conduit to the next thing so um yeah releasing a record was um the obvious choice for me as a sound man. Plus, innocently, which I must confess, I was trying to be the biggest sound system in the world. Like, <laughs> I, there was this geezer called Emperor Roscoe that I was always fascinated with because he had this massive voice and everything. I'm not sure the significance of that is, um, and other than the fact that he was this sort of foreign guy who came along and blew us all away. And I wanted to have that impact or, or with sound system, just in my own community and that, and mm. not being funny, Kelly, I mean, 
we were doing royally already because I had clubs running and um, that side of my life was just a whole nother world in terms of like as we call it now entrepreneurialism but yeah. you know running nightclubs having all the market stalls um getting stock you know having a link in somewhere like korea where they were making all my stuff and then because i was djing along the lines of japan new york and stuff and there was um just loads of um sort of dots um uh you know linked and in yeah. the link, I just took advantage of being able to fly on Virgin. And, uh, I, you know, in those times, there was no weight capacity or anything. So <laughs> you had, like, tons of records. So why don't you have another two tons of garments as well? And it used to come into places like Heathrow and Gatwick. And, um, you know, it, it was all this little cottage industry sort of thing. And, and our reputation um, was pretty decent even at that time. So we're talking about... 1985 here uh, mm. and again that was a, a, a an interesting time for us in pr particularly in london with everybody having either loads of money or we were all on the the the, the cusp of change where mm. you know the the industry that the big factories were closing down and all those jobs that we thought were going to be there for life, you know, this is all post the three day week. We had tasted that. We had tasted the power cuts. We had tasted all the different elements. Um, and then a little bit of that, like I said, joining the dots or having the conduit to that is in the earlys, I was involved in the church as well. So coming yeah. up, that was a great audience. Yeah, really good audience that you could practice to. Who always a lot more civil than they were in my street or some of the clubs I played in. But um, again, all of those things without realizing it, those were all the places I got to practice. And it's very true. It does take a village to raise a mm. child. Yeah, and it took a, it took my community um, to help raise me playing in Tollington Park School, Caxton House. Um, Whittington um, and then obviously down to Cali and stuff like that and cutting our teeth in those days it was all new Kelly no one really knew anything and I think we were all gassed up over the idea of our liberty and our freedom um, the, 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 the thing had moved from colour to digital you know yeah. we, we yeah. were on the cusp of everything at, at, at that particular time um, and, and it sort of played into my hands, as it were. Um, traveling was, was as difficult as it was, it was easier. There were less mm. people, there were less things going on the road. Um, we, were, we were moving targets, but for some reason, again, the time, probably our timing, um, we fell through the cracks. We fell through the cracks, both on a terrestrial level, and I think even on a, on, on a street level, because there mm. was a point in Soul to Soul's evolution come 1988, when I had decided to go full throttle with um, make, not just making a record now, was making an album and to conceptualize what I'd lived through and what was a reflection of what we were going through. Now at mm. that time we could have been throwing stones, rioting, being a bit extrovert 
We could have even gone, you know, down the American path and tried to mimic the Americans and everything. But oh no, just as Jazzy would think of it, I'm going to go one stage further and I'm not going to be a clone of anything. We're going to be ourselves. And it's all about our identity, our flair, our flamboyancy, uh, elements of our tradition, but much more focused and galvanized on the point of all of us being together and how um, we've created a new, almost a new society. And being at the helm of that, um, I guess I took the role as the pilot mm. to drive this vehicle, these ideas, and the fact that now it was a case of, hey, if you look like me or, or had thought like me or anything, you could be that. And then yeah. everybody got together. And we all kind of like wagamummered <laughs> on each other, <laughs> you know, that communal thing. We, we all had this strength and we'd, we'd all be together either on a Sunday night or already in the clubs or the shops was another great meeting ground. And anyone who had the little um, 16 mil camera to somebody who was uh, a bit more flamboyant and had their, you know, photographers, graffiti artists. I mean, that's how I got to meet Goldie coming in from somewhere like Miami as a graffiti artist who, um, all, you know, my artwork and stuff like that, some of it's down to him. Again, communally linking someone like Trevor Nelson. I mean, Trevor ran the record shops that I had, you know. Oh, as really? part of, yeah, and, and the link there. Um, even people like Jules and Norman Jay, all the way through to, you know, anyone, you know. I can remember Dave Durrell, the Crunch <laughs> Brothers, shooting videos in the back of my shop. Um, hooking up with people like Michael Copperman and, and the Supreme guys and um, Barnsley. I mean, Nelly was a huge um, uh, um, conduit there as well in terms of all the different people that we ended up being exposed to. I was a regular feature in, in St. Paul's in Bristol, either at, on the Thecla or at my cousin's um, pub or something like that all the way through to playing in places like um, the Reading um, Club every Thursday night and then ended up at the Limelight in London and then out God. of London. And we used to have these great trips with a gentleman called JP used to drive these. Uh, he had a converted bus and we'd take trips and go to Manchester, Sheffield. I remember great sessions going to places like Leeds, nearly ended up in Newcastle at the end of it all. Um, I mean, look, Kelly, life was so blissful at that time. We'd never stop at service stations because they, they were always horrible to us and stuff like that. But I have great memories of the service stations. This <laughs> is stuff like, you know, <laughs> when you had the Forte family, um, uh, you know, they had these restaurants all the way down, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember great things like that. Um, and those are all part of the spirit and the energy and maybe that relaxed vibe when you met somebody else who had a seriously different accent, especially those kinds of... But do you not think it was because you were, you know, listening to you talk, it's like there was such authenticity there. And, you know, today, what does well today is authenticity. It, you know, people see through it, but you were so kind of advanced and because you were doing what you loved, it's riding that wave. People get on with you and it just keeps going and it keeps going. And, you know, what, what I'm interested in, in a way, is you talk about 
you know, there was change and things happening in the world, like it's happening now. So, you know, what, what's going to, you know, would you do another album? Do you feel, do you feel like this is a time when you would do something because there's so much change and we're shifting into another kind of world? I mean, do you think great music is going to come out of, of this? You know, the arts is something that always prospers when we're, we're, we're in a time or a place of adversity. And I don't know, it's because we, we, we're craving for something even more, so you can't tell yeah. the wood from the trees. Or just in effect that you do dig deeper in your soul. You dig deeper in your head, like you said at the beginning, like, you know, what, what will we do? What can we do? Is there light at the end of the tunnel? In terms of soul to soul, it's always a happy face, a thumping base for a loving race. Ever forward, never backwards. And in terms of that, where I sort of, um, where I draw strength from is, is possibly everybody else around. And then looking at what they're doing and having, it's not a case anymore of people wanting my want, more a case of me giving my have. <laughs> well, give it. That, that slogan should it. be blown up on every motorway around England right now. It's so valid now. Well, giving and giving in a way like that, I think. Um, I, I think I, I I like it in the way where it's all um, again strange word organic. It's something we take in our stride and stuff. And I've always yeah. tried to be about because I think Kelly in life sometimes. It's hard to keep it simple, you know, and, 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 and I do say that to the children quite a bit, you know, you know, sometimes you've got to look a little deeper than that because, you know, it's so easy there. Mm. So we working class people like easy come, easy go, isn't it? Uh, and we're all grafters as well. I, I like to work. And that's mm. why I even use the analogy is like maybe a farmer or a gardener or something, because it is about seeing that thing grow. And then even, you know, when we have hurricanes and crazy things like that, it's a real purge for us because it, it, it then again, it makes us realize what we got. And then in that upheaval, just like it is a bit now, the, the, that level of uncertainty, I mean, who do we really go to now? Who are we looking at? So maybe mm. this is, again, in these adverse times, is for those good thinkers will take this moment and take this opportunity and exploit all those little areas where maybe, you know, I had this great shop, and blah, blah, and now people can't come here. Maybe we've got to go back to the old rag and bone days, you know, when you walked around ringing your bell and saying, here's my wares. Um, yeah. We've got driverless cars, you know, and stuff like that. So I can't see why we can't get onto that. And in a funny way, maybe we miss that interaction now, truly. Yeah, because yeah, everything's side. technology. You yeah. know, this whole, this whole virus has made my studio realise that speaking to someone like you and I are speaking to each other now instead of texting or on a phone yeah. like looking at people seeing people's reaction yeah. it shows you that everybody's hidden behind a computer our kids have been like this people in the same office are emailing each other rather than walking over and saying let's go and have a cup of tea and have a chat about this you know it's bringing back that face-to-face -face connection that reality that communication is key ideas are key 
uh, as you say, watching things grow. Everything has been so fast. You text me, I'm waiting for the text back. Why is it not, you know, <laughs> it's like things take time. And in the old days, you know, and, and also the other thing is somebody sent me this thing through saying they've lived through Auschwitz, they've lived through wars, they've lived through famines. They've, they didn't have electricity and Netflix. We've right. all been at home with stuff, you know? <laughs> And we're still complaining, you know. But that's so what happens, isn't it? When we get or when we have much, Kelly. That's yeah. why I say the leveler is when things are taken away from you, and you realise, and you have forgot. And that's why this moment, this time, what we're going through, is even more confusing. Because, like that person said, like, look, you still got electricity, you can still fly. You can still meet people. You can still do all these other things. But Amazon delivers in a day. Yeah, every day, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and we've got ele look. We've got functions now where um, it's powered by USB. It's not even mm. like full on electricity. It's not you know. It's not two hundred and thirty volts anymore. Sort of scenario. <laughs> it's battery powered. For God's sake, we're using drones now for anything from you know any of the heli, or even just the fact that the beauty of some of the technology is the you know. And trust me, I am a, a, a real example of how important technology is and how it's aided. So I'm gonna be the last person to knock it, but I think it's more a case of how it's used. Yeah. And I think for you and I, it must be even more a challenge, because me, myself, I remember my father having conversations about riding west. He wasn't talking about on his bike, on a horse. <laughs> and he would head into, from Freetown Village, St. Phillips, he would head into St. John's and he would tell his friends, headed west. And that may take a few days. Do you know what I mean? And stuff like that. And then the, the whole idea of um, maybe that communication thing, telephones. You know, we're from an age where we had telegrams, Kelly. I was going to say, do you remember telegrams? Oh, I remember a geezer came to my ass, little bloke. My mum said, there's a white man at the door for you. And I've got that, so this little geezer with fucking reading me a telegram. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> a little bloke, you know what I mean? He, he couldn't be more than an inch high. But the point is, that was that level of um, thing. And that was a massive occasion. Everyone in the street mm. came out. You know, it was a really big a deal. Moment. Yeah, and then, and then, do you remember writing a letter? Yeah, I still do. I, I wrote a hundred applications for a job in 1979, 100. So that really dodgy writing, by the way, but that's how <laughs> we used to do things. You know, you put the stamp on the envelope, you posted yeah. it, you waited humbly every day for the postman to come. And look, their job is still important. Yeah, but, um, totally. Yeah, I think just against the backdrop of everything, yeah, we do, people like us, I think, we 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 do a little bit better when there's a bit of adversity and in terms of the light at the end of the tunnel um you've got to believe think, there's light well you well i think we believe that when we must be when we get up every day and open our eyes and decide to roll over and some of us are very ambitious and stuff like that and others will just make up the numbers but i do think it's a great time for us all particularly in the arts and, 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 and uh, us coming up with ideas um, to deal 
with the scenario. And I think it will probably more likely come back to some of those simpler times mm. where and we'll take silly things like clothes pegs and find a different way of hanging out, washing out without it blowing away sort of thing like, do you know what I mean? It's going to be yeah. a bit like that, isn't it? I mean, Kelly, look, for goodness sake, we're going to the store now and we're buying organic bent up sort of potatoes and tomatoes right from fresh and wild and all that lot playing absorbent prices for it and we used to grow that on a in our back garden on or mm. on the old allotment do you know what i mean yeah so i think even things like that where people are uh, intuitive people and you, you like to use your hands that could be anything from a carpenter i'll tell you what's a good thing about life as well in a place like london in 2020 we had a geezer called Paddy come and knock the door last week, sharpen our knives. Yeah, uh, F told me. Right. Yeah. And he just came with his, like, his, his stone and his turner and that. Like, oh, we just need a plug. Just plug it in for me. He wouldn't come in the house. I served him up a couple of guineas. He sharpened about 50 knives. And, 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 and something like that was such a spectacle on the street. Yeah. I mean, the neighbours was coming out. And I tell you what, I tell you what, for as weird as it sounds, just something simple like that made everybody come out. And in the conversations that people were having in their front gardens, we had an Indian man who shared an incredible story about him in India and mm -hmm. why he that the knife sharpening thing was so significant. That the special need lady was just so intrigued that because she couldn't see the cable so she thought he was doing it by foot yeah, it was brilliant. brilliant and then the other neighbors coming out you know doing a bit of business with him and stuff and he turned around to all of us after he finished i'd be back in a year's time oh i he love gave it us a year on it come on kelly like think yeah. something like that do you know what i mean and that says against the backdrop of 20 crackheads ghostly walking up the road. I mean, it, we, we got to live, <laughs> live side by side now. So I think, yeah. you know, we take these strands and I think what's important for my personal sanity and everything going on and even talking about the future, it never stops. So yeah. there's always an idea about making music, um, maybe hooking up with somebody else. And strangely enough, Talk about hooking up with somebody else in that Wagamama communal kind of living, sharing ideas and that. Uh, talking about things for the future with Soul. So I've just hooked up with Rollo and Faithless. Wow. So I've just done a project with him. We're supposed to be on tour now, which will lead us all the way through till next year. So I'm still rocking and rolling with the worst of them. And um, here I am speaking to you on your podcast that's finally got the geezers in there, Kel. And I'm one of your first <laughs> blokes. How about that? I know. Can't be bad, eh? Tell me, football, Arsenal won. We're both Arsenal supporters. Brilliant. How weird is it that, like, when you're watching it and there's no one in the stands, it's like, it, it must have killed... Now, you see, I can help you there. Because I don't always get the opportunity because I'm travelling even watch my own voice so I've got I've got to watch it on telly and somehow some way technology and the, the forces what be have got it locked down now where you can watch the telly and it's so surreal no no I know it sounds like there. it I think we've got used to it because I also like things like you know I, I love watching 
this kid Lewis Hamilton just for just for his bravery and yeah, the fact yeah. that he sticks out so much. And I watched the race, and and, and my very good friend who's um, heavily into cars and, and driving cars. That's his main sport. So we often debate about it. And I was blessed last year that I performed at Silverstone where he won last year. And wow. um, he, he was there again, you know, doing, doing the do on three wheels instead of four. And even watching that on telly, if you've ever experienced Formula One, it's got to be the closest thing to an outrageous and well, You know that's how my business started. Oh, wow, I didn't. No. So, so I'll tell you a story. My, not my first client, but like my first big client was um, a racing driver, Keke Rosberg, who won the world championship that year. And from him, I got endless people that I was working for, all the great racing drivers. So I was building houses and was always going to Formula One. So here's the other thing, Damien Hill, yeah. right? He was my builder's driver <laughs> when I was 18. And when I still see him, I bump into him at events and stuff. We always say hello and he laughs and I laugh. I said, no one believes the fact that you used to deliver all the cement, the bricks, and all the stuff for my building sites. Never late, always on time. He was earning extra money while he was doing Formula Ford. My whole world was around racing Formula One. So the other day, I'm watching a race for the first time in years, and I didn't realize that you can hear them talking yes. to their team. I was absolutely mesmerized by it. <laughs> Completely, and you're like behind the wheel. Behind the and wheel, you say, yeah. Unbelievable, unbelievable. It's and this is why you've got to give credit to where technology can go yeah. and how it can enhance and work. And I guess just like a bad book can also be bad for you as well. It's about you, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. giving it up. So technology is, or you know, it, it's present with us all and, I, and it is something that I wholeheartedly embrace. And yeah, for, for, for technology's sake, I'm going to be around tomorrow. So watch this space, as they say. Yeah, and I think the other thing is that we're all very, we all complain a lot. The world complains. It's like, you know, you and I are sitting here talking now. It just feels like everything's good. You know, we can make the most of stuff. We can come up with new creative ideas. Tomorrow's another day. The next day is going to be even better. Like that's, you know, m my whole thing at the moment is if you think of everybody for the first time ever in my lifetime anyway, is in the same position right now and in lockdown was in the same position, everyone had to stop. If every single person at that moment all said and thought and had a positive thought, we're going to make this, the, the reality of how powerful that could be for that moment in time. Yeah. So then you shift from that because obviously not everyone was thinking that, but I do think that there was a big shift in the way that people have been thinking. And hopefully if we can, as leaders in our world and, and people that look up to us and we can keep talking and you can keep putting your music out and your radio and everything else and these positive energy, the more we can be that way, the more we can get to that next place wherever it is and whatever it's meant to be, where there can be a different type of energy and thought process. Because at the end of the day, it's your kids, my kids, our grandkids, who are gonna take the brunt of this if we don't pave the way for them. Because, you know, the, the youth of today, I heard the other day there was a position in a pub in Essex 
700 applicants for one job, you know? So we have to, it's our duty and, and other people to be able to, to be positive and look at the, the best of everything. And, um, and I think it's really important. And I think that, you know, in both our industries, they're both um, creative. And I think we need to, and people need to be very courageous and try and visualize what it could be and make it happen rather than there be this negative because if you think negative, you get negative. Absolutely. If you wake up with positivity, that's what you get. You know what I mean? So and on I that note, I've got to thank you for all your positive energy and oh. vibes that you're, you put out there. You're emitting all this nice energy. Thank and now it's important that you realize as well, you're doing a great job. So I take it on quite seriously. And I know a lot of other friends who do subscribe and are into what you're doing. So... You're permeating the seams, Kelly. You're definitely making a difference. Well, thank you. Do you think you're wiser now that you're older? Definitely, because, you know, you've got more inhibitions now. And although the mind says one thing and the body says another, <laughs> I think you do sort of settle down after a while and realise maybe some things need to happen, you know. Sometimes... Um, it's how you deal with the adversity as opposed to, you know, always being cautious and so on and so forth. So I'd like to always suggest that I'm there just to dust, especially my lot, I'm, I'm just there to dust them off. And hopefully <laughs> a little bit of what I've done will rub off so they won't waste their time. But uh, the journey is very important. Mm. and uh, it you know sometimes again with our children that we can treat them a bit like a vessel as well so I think as I've got older um, I've been able to and maybe it's part of my makeup because I've always had it where I've got a lot of people around me and stuff and you know use this word sometimes delegating but I don't like to give people something to do that I wouldn't do myself Mm. Unless it's something super righteous and then they're really good at it and you want to be with them, you know, so yeah. those that, that has a account balance. But um, no, I think it's also when you're ex you have the experiences, what we do, and the, the knowledge and wisdom as well. Um, I'm getting to that phase where I'm, I'm pretty all right by slowing down, not speeding off at the lights you know, <laughs> and so on and so forth. And maybe try, you know, I do it, I often do it myself sometimes, even in weird situations. I'll count to three, you know what I mean? And then slowly. I count to 10. <laughs> I, 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 I've been many a times, I'm at 15, but my mantra is technically three. And then usually I'll, I'll walk away from a situation that, mm. you know, uh, that, that I'm thinking isn't going to be positive, yet I'm able to hang out and sometimes identify with positive ones as well. Mm -hmm. But also patience. I've learned that. It's incredible. Um, didn't have it when I was younger. Maybe didn't fully understand it. But um, the, the, the I think time, it comes with um, age. Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. So tell me, when you are overwhelmed or whatever, you know, stuff goes on. Do you eat, drink, shop, smoke, sleep, travel, or all of them? What's your go-to? First I'll shop, then I'll smoke. 
<laughs> At least you're honest. <laughs> and what do you think drives you? Uh, I think it's because I want to be happy. Okay. And in terms of what drives me is the fact that um, I've got to make myself happy. Um, you know, people like us aren't easy on the best of days. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, um, me striving for that um, in a bizarre way, yeah, I think that might be my thing. Um, I mean, because there, you know, there are a lot of things that I, 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 I'm involved in and that I do. And I really enjoy them, you know, all of the aspects, even, you know, the traveling part as well, because, you know, I've got a whole different life as a farmer. But, um, yeah. you know, the, the, the yeah, I, I like being around people. I love sharing ideas. Um, and I, I really do. I, I, I love the experiences, uh, all of them, every... Everything I, I like to try and take something from. And then if I'm in a real mood, you know, I probably want to go to the shops and have a good old burn. Good old burn, <laughs> yeah. And whose opinions are important to you? Blimey. Well, she's not here anymore, the matriarch, your mum. Your mum. Your mum was the most important. I think now, you know, I bow to my big sister. And when I say bow, I'm from a massive family. And mm. uh, my my elder sister, it's funny, the girls I, I am, I'm really more in tune to than most of my brothers, believe it or not, strangely. Um, but maybe that comes from being a mummy's boy. But um, yeah, my mum's always been the driving force behind everything because she was my best friend. Wow. So I was blessed that I shared not only like you know her being my mum but someone I, I i properly spoke to you know mm. and that would be things like when i'm really happy da, 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 or she could just tell when i was just you know you're only as happy as your last kid in it you know? yeah i know so, you're um, only as happy as your kids being happy it's so true well like, you know so that that element was you know was definitely there with her and she had so many children so she was always juggling and stuff like that. So just watching her deal with things every day and stuff, uh, you know, she was the real one for me. You know, she'd be mm. the one that, you know, she said jump, it was a matter of how high. And there was yeah. things like, I took for my dad that when she'd say something to me, I'd say, you command and I'll obey. Oh, that's <laughs> so nice. And tell me, salt or, salty or sweet? <laughs> well, you know what? I'm a sweet, salty man, you know that. I like the two. <laughs> I blend the two of them. In my porridge, I have salt, but then um, in my tea, I have sugar. So, you know. And you're quite partial to a Fortnum's chocolate biscuit, aren't you? Oh, clearly. Most of my dear friends know this. I love a biscuit. You see, I was a super good tea boy back in the day. So, um, things like biscuits and stuff, there's an etiquette to that. And, and, and drinking a good cup of tea made in the correct manner oh there's nothing like did you it, used to dunk your biscuits 
now you've got to have a specific biscuit to dunk, you see. So if you're talking about your digestives and rich teas, we're good. Yeah. But I ain't dunking anything with coconut or chocolate in it. That's true. So true. Cold or heat? Got to be the heat. I love Antigua. the steamy heat. Yeah. I mean, your place in Antigua is, uh, you know, as you know, I go there with F and everyone always says, why do you have to go there to do what you do? And I said, because it absolutely reboots me. It's, the only way I can describe it is like someone unplugs me and doesn't re-plug me in. I'm unplugged. Right. And what happens to me there is I do all the training and we laugh and I sleep and everything else. But I have what I call an aha moment, like two days before I'm coming back. And I lie by the pool there with my head under the shade with a little bit of, you know, shading. And everything, it's like, it, all I can describe is like a hurricane of ideas. And it's like throwing stuff out. And I will go walking on that half moon bay beach until I'm literally unable to walk. And then I come and see Ephra and I'm like, I've sorted it all. I've sorted it all. And then all the way up that hill, I'm like talking about it. She doesn't know what I'm talking about. But I get back on that plane and I'm so clear for the, for the year. And I was about to go before this wretched COVID. And yeah. I really miss it. There's something magical about that place. I don't, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it, but it absolutely resonates with me. It's, a, it's an extraordinary place. That particular piece that of location, land that you yeah. have. It's a very, it's very, it's very significant to me as a child as well because in the seventies, when we were sent home for the six weeks holidays, um, and I guess you know we must be very blessed to have done that uh, on mm. more than one occasion. But that same spot where we have the basketball court, that used to be called the lookout spot, and that's yeah. where a lot of the greats used to come from Montserrat's Air Studios, and they'd hang out at the the late um, Half Moon Bay Hotel, and they'd go over there for a, a night's um, gamble under the moonlight, as you, you know very well when it's moonlight out there. It's yeah. pretty special and incredible. But it is, it, it's, a, it's a piece of God's creation, uh, yeah. and I was so, so, so lucky that um, they gave me that bit of land. There. Yeah, it's no, it's song. beautiful. Well, one day soon, hopefully, We'll all get back there. Jazzy, I can't tell you. I could go on talking to you forever. I can see you've got diptych behind you. I'm looking. I'm looking at everything. <laughs> Nothing goes past me. I love Brilliant. this room. And uh, one day, I'd love to come there and listen to a load of music with you. Always welcome. I've just had a new system installed by Tony Andrews and Function One, which I'm on. Um, doing a bit of R&R &R for. Amazing sound. Yeah, soon, anytime you're ready. You All and right. David are always welcome. Mwah. Lots of love. Lots of love Take to you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.